So here at the Leftscape, we definitely come from a political persuasion, and I'm pretty sure it's a consensus among us that taking action is really important to create political change out in the world. And at the same time, uh, people who come from a spiritual perspective may use a term called magic. And I had a conversation with Christiana Gaudet. She is a tarot grandmaster, and we talked about magical thinking, which is not so helpful, and thinking magically or magical workings, which can be an enhancement to your action out in the world. So we talked about some of those topics and some other things. It was a very cool discussion, and uh, we look forward to presenting that to you later in the show. Robin Renee, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. Welcome. Hi, I'm Wendy Sheridan. I want to say hi to 2019, and we're back after our little break. We're back. (laughs) And uh, this month is National Blood Donor Month, and I think uh, Robin has some comments about that. Well, I do. I mean, first of all, I, it, I, I think it is an important thing, and it's something that a lot of people just forget about doing, and I think it's a, it's a really uh, good thing for everybody's health to be prepared. Um, and I have been frustrated for a long time because I'm not generally allowed to donate blood, and the reason being that they, well, first of all, for the longest time, men who have sex with men we're not allowed to donate at all. And now they've changed it so that uh, one year after last contact, you are uh, eligible to donate. But they've also uh, had a rule for a long time that women who have sex with men who have sex with men are also in that same category because they it was considered too much of a risk for HIV and these other things. So um, the same one-year rule applies, which is not likely to happen in my life because I prefer men who have sex with men in a lot of ways. So um, it's an interesting, uh, unfortunate thing that I think, you know, we've learned so much more about HIV and AIDS now that I think um, particular risky activity or testing really is, I don't know, really testing is the main thing that you need to do. Um, So... I think it's so do they do they actually test the blood or they just say go away and and they don't even bother they take or they it's not like if it's been a year and you haven't been tested is that really well you have to be tested then I think they still test all the blood anyway so that's why I find it sort of uh, yeah if they're testing all the blood anyway why are they they restricting restricting people yeah so I think this is probably really a throwback to the scare of of AIDS it is it is well yeah it's never really Changed the well, they're slowly changing the policy, so it's a it's a very low thing, I, I guess. I remember, I remember the re, the tattoo restriction, like if you, you had to wait a year after getting a tattoo to get to donate. Just blood. in case you got something from the needle. Yeah, HIV. Yeah, it's always HIV, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> or or I guess hepatitis. You know, the blood or diseases. hepatitis. Right, right. But they test for that, you know. It, that I mean, if they, like that's what I'm saying, if they're testing all the blood anyway, then why restrict the donor pool? That's you know. Maybe it's like why go to all the trouble to donate a pint of blood if they're just going to throw it out? Yeah, but that's not. Wait. <laughs> If if you don't, if you either. donate blood and they test your blood and and find that that it's tainted, then they throw it out and you've gone right. to the whole trouble of donating blood that you could have kept inside your body and used. 
Yeah. Maybe that's process. I don't know. Yeah, but it's like, why would it? I'm not saying that. All right, whatever. But I just think if they're testing all the blood anyway, that they don't need to restrict I think people. So but. too, because it's, it's uh, a yeah. I was just yeah, playing devil advocate there. Uh, I'm not pretty. The devil doesn't need a lawyer. <laughs> What else is happening in the world? Okay, on the 16th of this month, uh, it's National Religious Freedom Day. Um, so I think, well, if it wasn't January and we weren't in New Jersey, where suddenly it got cold because my daughter went back to California and she took the warm mm-hmm. weather with her, um, I would practice my religious freedom by being naked outside but that's not no. going to happen no. in January so maybe that's why they do that I think that that's a challenge too, I, so. might, I might have to take that challenge, <laughs> challenge. oh my god <laughs> but to be clear are you saying be, being naked as a religious freedom is a freedom that that uh, being a nudist is religion or being sky clad is no. religion no okay. sky clad sky clad it's so. part of our it's part of our religion. We haven't done that in a long time. I don't know if we've but. ever done that. <laughs> I haven't. I, I, well, except for when we had the um, the uh, the what it, what was that thing with the steam? <laughs> the steam, the very hot tent. <laughs> it was, oh, I didn't uh, do those. I don't do sweats. Lots, yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> I don't need that. That sweat lodge is not my thing at all. Uh, and it's also on the same day, it's also National Nothing so Day. So if you think this whole idea of weird holidays is bogus, then that's your day? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I could be, I could take my religious freedom and not do anything that day. I don't know. <laughs> Martin Luther King Day is coming up this week. On the twenty yes. first, which I think is very good that we have this. Um, uh, although one of the things that I do with my students, because I I work with the college students who uh, were in communications, and I always ask them at some point to talk about someone who is a great communicator. And eventually, somebody will always bring up Martin Luther King. At least it used to be that, and now. Uh, I have some kids who don't know who he is. Uh, yeah, and it really? makes me very sad. When I try to give examples of his I had a dream uh, speech and what he's doing in order to communicate his ideas and how he's moving his audience, and they have no idea what I'm talking, they've never heard this speech. Uh, are these all white uh, kids? Some of them are, it's very mixed kids. Very mixed kids. I'm stunned. I, I honestly, I honestly can't fathom African Americans growing up and not knowing who Martin mm. Luther King is. Yeah. Wow. Or anyone. I mean, it's just so I don't know, such a part of our history. And a. So I guess what I'm talking about is that um, it's more a comment on our education system that they're not. Uh, teaching kids about Martin Luther King the way they used to. Yeah, that's shocking. <laughs> hey, I, there's another appreciation day this this week. Uh, yes, there is. <laughs> On the same day that we appreciate Martin Luther King this year, it is also National Squirrel Appreciation Day. So, um, and I think you're the person that appreciates squirrels I am, the most. Yeah, so what I, is there to appreciate about squirrels? Well, I think they're uh, very industrious and they're, you know, they're cute, I guess, to some people. So other people, maybe not so much. Um, but and they're very varied. There's so many different varieties of squirrels, which I think are very cool. But the reason that the person who started this uh, appreciation day was that she noticed that there was very um, there was not a lot of food available for squirrels in on this, you know, this month. But in particular, this is like oh. a very, you know, particular bear time. So it's a good time to feed squirrels. So I will, um, I have a squirrel feeder, so I will get some things and put them out there. 
<laughs> on the 21st of January. So what birthdays are there uh, going on this week? Um, oh, on the 16th is Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is just everywhere. If anybody doesn't know who he is and which at one time I didn't know who he was was and I even thought is that a man or a woman that named Lin-Manuel but he is the person who wrote the uh, musical uh, Hamilton which is so popular that you can't even get a ticket for years for it and he is currently putting together a tour of the show also so maybe you'll be able to get a tour ticket that way and it is benefiting uh, the people from uh, Puerto Rico who suffered with the uh, Hurricane Maria. Also, That's where he's from, right? Yeah, his family. His family is from uh, Puerto Rico. His pa- parents are. He he grew up in New York, but also you can see him um, in Mary Poppins uh, Returns that just opened this month or right around Christmas time. And apparently it is terrific, so I really want to go see that movie. Who else is, oh, there's Michelle Obama on the 17th is her birthday. Happy birthday to her. Happy birthday to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yes, and happy birthday to Jim Carrey on the 17th. He, uh, he's an interesting character in general. I, I, you know, I don't know a lot of people who take him terribly seriously. And uh, one thing that he's doing that's different from the past is he's been doing a lot of uh, political cartooning. And so a lot mm-hmm. of people are appreciating his uh, very uh, Trump critical cartoons, especially on Twitter. I see them. Um, so that's something he's doing that's sort of a little bit out of the box. And I'm not sure I, I've forgiven him yet for his anti-vax stuff yeah that's apparently i guess he's recanted that's that's kind of the scuttlebutt i've been hearing but it's like once he started down that road he became i i pushed him off my radar Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i have no interest in doing following anything he's doing anymore and and that does seem too that somebody who is a celebrity latching on to some kind of cause then gets it publicity and then we start the argument of you should stay in your lane Jim Jim Carrey you don't really know about vaccinations but uh, um, we had that discussion all about that stay in your lane once before in one of our previous episodes right well the point is that if you know if you're an actor you can't do something else but I think it's misinformed information is is a really bad thing no yeah you know that maybe that it even behooves someone who is a celebrity to take the time to look and make sure that whatever they're backing is that they have the facts mm-hmm. or at least if they finally figure out that they're wrong they admit it and they shout it from the rooftops and they spend at least as much time and energy uh, re, you know, setting the setting the record straight as opposed, Recanting. you know, it, uh, and mm-hmm. instead of um, just not saying anything and going on and moving on to something else. Yeah, because I would like to give people the benefit of the doubt to figure out if they did make a mistake to come back. Like I don't feel like I could never pay attention to something that someone did if they. If they decide to do better, I think we want to encourage people to do that, you know. But yeah. I, I think it, I think it would be good to make an effort to. Yeah, I I also that. just one other thing about Jim Carrey is that I was never a particular fan of his his particular movies, but it's just striking to me that he was somebody who made movies, who made a lot of money, he could demand a lot of money, and then he just up and quit, and decided to be an artist. He was in painting. I know I've seen things about his paintings and uh, I think that there's not too many people who do that. On the 20th I just want to say a quick happy birthday to Buzz Aldrin the astronaut and uh, (laughs) and uh, and also Tom Baker um, my favorite doctor Mm -hmm. Doctor Who doctor. The one Um, with the scarf. (laughs) Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. 
I have a friend who looks exactly like him. Walks around with a scarf. His daughter made a scarf <laughs> just like that. The side so fake people autograph. Like freak yeah. out when they see him. Then <laughs> yeah, people do mistake him for him. Wow. Cool. Because <laughs> I mean, he doesn't look like that now. Tom Baker doesn't look like that now because he's kind of elderly at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, my friend yeah. is well preserved. <laughs> As the years go by, he looks the same. Wow. And January 21st is the birthday of Jam Master Jay, he, um, who was the DJ for Run DMC. And uh, I love them. I think they're fantastic. And they did a lot of to sort of really cross music over that people of all colors could start to get into hip hop. And I think that's a really great thing that they did. And unfortunately, Jam Master Jay passed away in 2002. Uh, hmm. So we honor him on the 21st so that was the birthdays and now i think i'd like to talk a little bit about what happened in history on this day the day that we are publishing this particular uh, podcast in january 16th on this day in 1920 we had the first assembly of the League of Nations that was held in Paris. And I think that that is worth noting. The League of Nations was the thing that started it all. And because we have... Started what all? Well, the whole (laughs) idea of the UN, of NATO, of people working together from different countries, trying to prevent World War III. And well, the League of Nations was formed after World War One. Yeah, so they were two. trying to prevent World War One, I, I guess, but well, World War Two. I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, World War Two. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and we have current president who uh, obviously wants to get us out of NATO and wants to. Uh, I think he's just being a puppet of Russia, of Putin, and Putin wants to kill NATO, wants to kill the UN, and uh, it's very upsetting and we should pay attention. Attention must be paid. So uh, as we are recording this on the 8th of January, our government is still experiencing a partial government shutdown. And the speculation that I see online is wild and people are going well you know who's writing his speech for the for the uh state of the union this month and all this other things which i guess um is going to be happening before our next podcast anyway um and our our sitting president is you know threatening that he's going to declare a state of emergency to build you know uh so he can force thing so he would get certain executive powers that would let him build his wall without congress giving the approval um which is apparently illegal and he doesn't have the power to do that and uh and, and in that respect he's kind of reminding me of my husband's ex-wife who would just say these outrageous things that would be used to to scare my husband and then i would have to go look up stuff to make sure that any that pretty much everything out of her mouth is just bullshit and that that she can't have him arrested for doing a, you know for for being late on a on a payment or or doing whatever it's like he's making up his own shit and just saying things and everybody's freaking out and and finding out that oh no he can't do that it's interesting how often the president uh, or the current occupant gets uh gets <laughs> compared to an abusive partner or parent that's interesting it really yeah. is yeah but um yeah no i think i think that's that's true and i'm i guess another part of the speculation is what Will he be willing to try to do? You know, um, I was reading an article in the New York Times called "No Trump Cannot Declare an Emergency" in parentheses to build his wall, um, and this is by Bruce Ackerman, and he talks about the different um, statutes and and things that have been written into the law over time that really try to safeguard against this, so that we don't have people really abusing power. And there are still there are exceptions when. A president can step outside of that for an for an actual emergency, and then hopefully those um, 
those extra powers are are repealed and taken back after the fact, you know. Um, and there's a lot that's happened. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, uh, and do they give guidelines for what constitutes an actual emergency? Uh, yes. I mean, in fact, there, it would be good to, to read this whole article. This came mm-hmm. out on uh, January 5th. Where was the article? In the New York Times. Oh, New York okay. Times. Is this the Bruce Ackerman? Yes. Oh, okay. And, you know, and it talks uh, a lot about the various... Um, different things that have been added to law. There was one in 1956 to uh, that the president cannot use the military to enforce domestic law, which is... Oh, like what he just did, sending them all down to the border? That's what I was thinking about. Like, how, how, how was that, that legal? I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, well, sending the army to a place... Just to sit right. there isn't supposed isn't illegal, and they, they didn't actually end up do, doing true. anything. They were just there, basically. They just had a nice road trip during a holiday, so you know nobody could go. Yeah, home. that so. was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you know we're looking at where is this going to go, and we don't know. Maybe by the time our podcast is out, they will have figured this out. But it just it seems so ridiculous that that. Uh, this talking point that that Trump discovered as he was having a rally during the election that he got response from when he mentioned a wall that that he built it into this big campaign and it's um, I don't know I, I'm going off on my teacher rant I, I deal with my student my <laughs> students we have this one thing that is about group problem solving and when you need to solve a problem as a group which is like the country or the government um, you have to look at the problem first and figure out what is the problem and what defines the problem you have to come you have to study the problem before you come up with a solution and he had this problem of immigration, but that he thought was something that would appeal to his to his constituents, and he just came up with a solution without ever studying the problem. So, so and now we're stuck with this. And how does he save face now? Because he he feels married to this this promise, and. I wish he felt married to it because he has no problem <laughs> dumping his wives. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's so we have to find a way that he can do that. That he can dump. No, he's holding. He's holding on to this like yeah. a dog with a bone. This is like his or a toddler with his favorite toy. That's I think yeah. a better analogy. Well, it's gonna be it's um, gonna be interesting, and I really hope that he that a better path arises because according to this article, really what he will be doing is putting the military in the position of do I follow the order of the president or do I follow an illegal order basically. Follow an illegal you know, order so, or not. Um, yeah. yeah. And I mean and that's I mean sadly you know it's like the last adult left the, left the room in the White oh, House in the, yeah. in the West Wing. Um, you know Mattis, the math yeah. is leaving but um, Johnny Mathis yeah, in the sorry. White House. I, okay, I, I, yeah, maybe that's who we need. Yeah, <laughs> it would be much more like soothing but sound. I, I have this, I have this, um, this vision in my head. Like if they, if they screw this up in such a way where social security checks don't get issued for the the next time they're issued, that's when that's when people will storm the White House. You'll get all of the all of the people on Social Security coming to Washington and I hope so. to the ground. I mean, that's that's when people will take to the streets is when their yeah. when their checks aren't showing up. Um, and I was I was hoping that that maybe the TSA sick out would uh, inconvenience enough wealthy people that they would they would mm-hmm. start screaming at them to get like get this shit done. Um, but apparently it, it's not bad enough yet. And, and also, I just heard this morning that um, the, the fact that everything is shut down, that the pipeline for making new air traffic controllers is now stalled and that a whole bunch of them are up for retirement right now and maybe they will take that option mm. because they're not getting a paycheck. 
So suddenly there's going to be a lot fewer planes in the air and that's going to inconvenience and hurt many, many, many businesses. Um, and, and I think the people in Washington who, who, re, who rely on business leaders to get reelected, they need to kind of, you know, look around and say this isn't yeah, I think be good for be- them. Which may be good for the rest of us because maybe getting rid of all of them too would be not bad. But I think either way, yeah, there are a lot of consequences that I don't believe uh, Trump was thinking about really at all. Yeah, when yeah. he doesn't will, think. will start to crop up. So that it, Well, he doesn't that's think about consequences. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was listening to a lot this week of interviews with Nancy Pelosi because she just got sworn in. And... Uh, that that she is she is very firm and she but she's trying to look for uh, a way a way around this and she's frustrated in in that there's no way that this guy will compromise. so much. It's great to be here, Robin. Even I, I remember being four, five, six, having these deep conversations with my mother about reincarnation and, oh gosh, um, spirits around us and that kind of thing. Of course, I grew up in the Methodist Church, so I had that foundation as well. And and when I was ten, my mother married the Methodist minister, and I became a minister's kid. Uh, so that really offered me a lot of access to, you know, the United Methodist Church is not the most progressive church that we have, but it's not the least either. It's it's very intellectually based. And so, so that was a, a good foundation for me. Now, so in high school, uh, I, I think my, my parents caught me smoking pot my freshman year. And... <laughs> <laughs> that meant that I needed to go to a private high school where they thought I would be safer from, from bad influences. And the school we chose was this fundamentalist Christian high school. So that was my first exposure to fundamentalists. But you know what? It was back in the 70s. It was not, it didn't seem as rigid and difficult as it does now. There was a joy to it. There was an energy to it that was really kind of beautiful. And and I had a good high school experience there. I really did. So then when I'm about 19, I started studying some, uh, really it was the I Ching. It was my fascination with the I Ching, and I had played with divination when I was younger. My mother got me a uh, gypsy witch fortune-telling deck when I was about eight, just for fun. Funny. And I had okay. found, <laughs> I found truth in it then. You know, I, I looked at it, I was like, oh my gosh, th- this is real. It's saying real things. And of course, the adults around me, you know, didn't really connect with that at all. So now here I am at 19 doing divination again, and then... And I don't remember how this happened, but I stumbled into Wicca. 
And that really was what blew the, the, the doors off of everything for me, where I came to understand the metaphysical properties of the four elements. And through my study of Wicca, I, you know, you're told when you first take that, take on that study that you have to have some form of divination. You know, you have to play with that. So I got a tarot deck and, and from there, the rest is history. Now, in terms of how I identify spiritually today, I am very universal. Uh, the four elements, earth, air, fire, and water, are the cornerstones of my spirituality. Also the cornerstones of how I teach tarot and how I understand tarot. And in that, I am able to work with people of all faiths and find the commonality that we have. And it is in that commonality, I think, that truth exists. That's very cool. That's interesting. That's, I just learned a lot that I didn't actually know about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think we might want to have you back another time because one of the things that I'm interested in, too, is the, the language that we use and, and how we come to have a common understanding of, of elements and what those actually mean. Um, sure for people who use those terms. That's, a, that's kind of another topic. Sure. Um, but what I'm interested in today is that I, somewhere along the line, I saw an article or an online discussion you were having on the topic of magical thinking mm -hmm. versus magical working. And um, magical thinking is usually used as a disparaging term for not looking at reality and believing that your problems will be solved without any action or just by some unseen right. hand, I right. think is how I understand it. So I, I would like to hear how you think of those two things and how, how they're different if they're different. Oh, they're totally different. And this is a fascinating conversation. Magical thinking is actually a term used by psychologists, along with another term that's kind of fun from my perspective is fortune telling. So in psychology, if you're fortune telling, you are assuming a bad outcome for something before you even try. You know, and, and that's very different than what I do in, in my divination or fortune telling practice. And so within the fortune telling is a negative thing. Is a negative thing, yeah. Don't be fortune telling, go and give it a try. <clears throat> so within that same community, magical thinking really involves a lot of bargaining with the universe. And it really can hook into some fairly serious psychiatric disorders, where people will have a series of ritualized routines that they do that they believe will keep them from harm, or that they believe will have a direct response from the universe. I, I guess, you know, when we were growing up, the whole step on a crack and you'll break your mother's back thing, uh, that's a, a simplistic form of magical thinking. But even people who don't have severe psychological disorders will often fall into a pattern of believing that they can bargain with the universe. And a lot of that, I think, is, is sort of connected to the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross model uh, on death and dying, how we accept difficult things, how we accept death. And one of the five stages of acceptance is bargaining, where we say, well, if I do this, this bad thing won't happen. And that's really, I think, in a nutshell, magical thinking. I've seen it manifest in, in some really odd ways. You know, we have, you know, certainly stereotypes around that, the golfer who has to wear his lucky socks. Uh, that, can, that can be magical thinking. But from an actual spiritual magical perspective, you know, what if those socks were enchanted? What if you actually did magical working to make those socks carry a particular energy that is helpful? And that's where it gets really tricky because I do believe in energy. I do believe that we can do a series of events that will raise a particular energy that will help create a particular event. And maybe it's a difference between superstition and spirituality. Maybe it's what happens when people with mental health issues who are not 
as hinged to reality as they could be, try to work with energy and misunderstand things. You know, maybe that's part of it. But it's an interesting thing because I think as spiritual people, we have to, you know, we are best when we think magically, but we are worst when we fall into the trap of magical thinking. And yet those two things seem sometimes hard for people to distinguish. I, I feel like for me, one of the primary ways to distinguish goes back to as above, so below, which comes to us from the Christian Bible, but also from hermetic wisdom. So it's very universal. The idea that whatever is happening on a spiritual level also is happening on a mundane level and vice versa. So, okay, magical thinking would say, okay, I believe that if I wear purple today, that will help me get a job. So I'm going to wear purple and I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to wear purple and I'm going to believe that's going to give me a job. Thinking magically might be, okay, I'm going to dress in a way that attracts the right energy to me. I'm going to do some magical workings to increase my higher ability, the, the energy of my higher ability to increase the likelihood of getting a job to bring part prosperity to me. But I am also going to get my resume together and I am also going to fill out applications and do networking that I need to do. Do you see the difference? I do. I do. And I guess my question is, when you're doing magical working, do you feel that the value is in actually affecting something outside of ourselves or is it affecting our minds to... Um, And, you know, it brings up an opportunity to talk about an interesting new book that has come out by Michael Hughes called Magical Resistance. Uh, when we talk about bringing peace to Washington, he is the one who founded Hashtag Bind Trump. And I, I guess yeah. every month there are people all over the world doing a binding, you know, I'm not saying it's a good idea or a bad idea. I'm just reporting that's happening. And he's yeah. written a book about it. So, you know, the idea that people are trying to use energy in one way or the other to affect world events, that is definitely a thing that's happening. But then again, in churches all over the country, people pray for the president, people pray for the country. Is there any difference? Um, right. and, and that's, I guess, really where the question is. When we meditate, when we pray, when we dance naked in the moonlight, when we cast a circle... Are we affecting change outside of ourselves? Are we working with energies and ent entities outside of ourselves? Or are we simply focusing ourselves, removing our own barriers, setting our own goals? And, you know, magic, the magical community really encompasses a lot of different practices, many of which I'm not versed in and I don't do. But I think most magical people would agree that it's both that there really are energies and entities that we can work with that are outside of ourselves, that we really do create and release an energy from ourselves that goes out into the world to do our bidding. And at the very same time, we really are aligning ourselves, focusing ourselves, bringing peace to ourselves to get out of our own way to do what we need to do. So I would say it's all of the above. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this is that I, I really do see you as someone who is grounded and has a healthy relationship with the basic realities of life. So <laughs> yeah, I, try. I wanted to hear your take on it. <laughs> I think that that's not so true of some people who 
claim magic as a practice. It can be, um, I have run into people who I thought were maybe, I don't know, escaping something or just not, like, I, I, I really am a, a science person first, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. and, and I also, I find that there are things that I want to describe that I experience that um, words that come from various spiritual paths seem more able to do that able sure. to talk about those things, you know? Um, so I try to keep that in mind, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing the work that I do, we're thinking about those things as well, that it's, um, I don't necessarily want to lose, lose track of the basic ways that physics works and things like that, you know? <laughs> well, absolutely. And, and that's something when you actually study magic, one of the things that is is talked about is what you do has to be within the realm of physical possibility. Mm. You know, I mean, you've got a great singing voice. You're a fabulous musician. I would probably trade all my psychic juice and a heartbeat to have what you have, to have that musical talent. And I could cast an enchantment to give me more diligence in practicing my guitar I could cast an enchantment to help me find my best voice, but it's a physical reality that I am never going to have what you have. And so to expect that would, would be fanciful. So, so, okay, first of all, it's important to remember that tarot actually came to us first as a game. It's a trump-taking game, much like bridge. And in Europe, uh, most people who are familiar with the cards are familiar with them because they play the game of tarot. And they think those of us who divine with the cards are kind of silly. However, (laughs) right, I know, I know. (laughs) However, I am convinced that... The cards have, there is something special going on there. And, you know, there are many decks of divination and there are many tools of divination. And, and divination, you can divine with anything, really. But there is something special about tarot because it works with archetypes. There are 78 tarot cards and each expresses a very specific aspect of universal human experience. And so on a psychological level, we could say, well, these images are things we can all relate to because they're all about our common experience. And so it's got, you know, this this deep psychological connection. And and we know that because of the work of Carl Jung, uh, who was fascinated with tarot and astrology. I think there's also something really significant about art. When you think about the seven chakras, the brow chakra controls your eyesight, your imagination, and your psychic ability. So it makes sense that if you look at pictures with your eyesight and use your imagination when looking at those pictures, you're going to tap into your psychic ability. So there's that. So so like, as, as without, so within kind of a thing or something like that. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> is there some spiritual being controlling tarot there are beliefs about that the golden dawn felt that the angel Haru presides over tarot um i feel like spirit will speak through tarot absolutely but i feel like spirit wants to speak to us and will speak to us in whatever way we will hear spirit tarot is just a really easy way to make that happen Mm, okay. Interesting. So, 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 yeah, I mean, that's sort of how I would see it as a mm-hmm. tool, you know, and whether or not, I guess whether or not you think there's a 
overarching spiritual consciousness that's speaking through it or if it's tapping into the the inner knowing or the archetypal knowledge is sort of up for how people right for, i guess it's personal philosophy that Absolutely. And, and I think you've gotten to know that for me, it's always all of the above. <laughs> yeah, totally. So as a side note, I'm curious if you've seen the David Bowie tarot and what you think of that thing. You know, I almost had the opportunity to hold it in my hands and I, I was too busy and had to blow it by. I've seen it online. I love David Bowie. As you know, one, one way that you and I connect is, is regarding music. And I love Bowie. I, I was so disheartened by his passing. And I am really happy that there is a David Bowie tarot deck. Would I actually read with it? No, I would probably collect it and look over the pictures and enjoy it, but I would probably never read with it. Interesting. Yeah. And um, is that because it's a new sort of creation? It's not using the images that you're used to? I think... <sighs> That that could be it. I also think with a client, it might be kind of distracting. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there's there are new tarot decks being made every single day. If there's something yeah. you're into, I guarantee there's a tarot deck about it. And yeah, right. this is a great study because it it helps us to understand the archetypes. You know, how would the archetype of magician be depicted in fruit? How would the archetype of the magician be depicted in household appliances? You know, whatever. And that is a great exercise, but it's not really something I want to think about when I'm doing a reading. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, anything else? Anything you'd like to share about what's coming up for you? Well, so I tour, <laughs> I, I go lots of different places. I am always available for readings and mentorship in my office in Palm City, Florida, as you said, but also by phone, Skype, and FaceTime. Uh, but I go other places. Uh, the, at the beginning of March, I'm going to Newt's, which is the Northwest Tarot Symposium. You can still get in on this. It's a great thing. It's a four-day event, or you can make it a one-day event, a two-day event, or a three-day event. On the Monday of that event, it's March 1st through 4th. That's a Friday through a Monday. On the Monday, my colleague Jenna Matlin and I are presenting a day-long workshop on professional tarot for professional tarotists and those who want to be, and I'm very excited about that. I also travel to Connecticut. Uh, I'll be there at the end of March, beginning of April. I'll be there again in June and in August. I do readings in Madison, Connecticut, and I also do house calls and house parties in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New York City, and throughout Connecticut. So there's I'm a, being here in New Jersey, I feel like I'm flyover country. You are flyover country, but we could fix that. Get enough people in New Jersey you want to see me, and I will happily come visit you. Without right. a doubt. We'll work that out. <laughs> so that's um, always a possibility. Very cool. And any um, wisdom you'd like to share, you know, based on, on, on this uh, conversation about magical thinking versus magic or anything? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, energy does exist. And what we put out into the world does matter. It matters to ourselves. It does matter to the rest of the world. Does that mean that if you're in a bad mood, you have suddenly cursed yourself and the people around you? Probably not. We're allowed to be upset. We're allowed to be hurt. We're allowed to be in a bad mood. But the more that we can focus on positivity, the more that we can find commonality one with another rather than our differences, the more that we can align ourselves with a feeling of Peace. I'm not sure I I don't know if you heard that. That was just Siri deciding she wasn't sure she understood what I had to say there. Um, (laughs) Yep. The more that the more that we can align ourselves not only with our inner peace and not let anyone take away our inner peace, but the more that we can hold in our minds and hearts a good vision for our future for our well-being, for the well-being of others, and for the well-being of our country and our planet, the more opportunity we really do have to change the world. And I believe that's a real thing. 
Wendy here with an exciting new Kickstarter project. My project is called Postcards Against Fascism, and I'm raising money to produce a series of 12 politically themed postcards suitable for mailing to your elected representatives in Washington, D.C. or your state house. Project backers will get to vote on the final designs to be produced, and there is a reward level where you can be the art director and have your idea produced as one of the cards in the set. There will be links to the Kickstarter on the Leftscape social media. Sign up soon before the early bird discounts are all gone. Hello, this is Robin Renee. You can find me online at robinrenee.com. And my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. So check it out. And you can like me at facebook.com slash robinreneefan. Tweet at me at Spirit Rock Sexy and follow me on Instagram at Robin Renee Music. I would love to hear from you. So it's 2019 now, it's a new year, and we thought it would be a good idea to review our media sources to make sure going forward that everybody is looking at accurate information and that is not terribly biased information or if they are looking there that they know uh, that that particular news source has a bias or an agenda and uh, there was a the latest media bias chart which hopefully will be on our website, um, and if uh, which is leftscape.com, and, and um, we'll post it there. Um, it's also available at uh, I think it was mediabiaschart.com, which redirects you to the actual media watchdog group that compiles this chart. And um, it's hard to read because it's basically throwing everybody's logos on a chart. Of, of a spectrum of um, in the x-axis you've got your political bias either left or right and on the vertical axis is um, an overall rating of quality of the news and you've kind of got this this Gaussian distribution if you will of Gaussian uh, that sounds like an SAT word yeah, it what is. Does it mean? It's a it's a mathy thing. <laughs> it's a mathy it's, thing. It, <laughs> it's a thing. A Gaussian Gaussian distribution. It's it's like just uh, it's a curve. It's like uh. a bell curve. It's uh, I guess that's a, a the the more vernacular way to call it. Uh, it's it's it looks like a bell. Um, you know, it has a peak in the middle. Oh, and that's and where AP is down in the, on the peak edges. in neutral. Yeah, the Associated Press seems to be the most neutral. Uh, the most neutral and the best for original fact reporting. And actually, there's a little cluster. AP is is the top one. Reuters is underneath that. Bloomberg is underneath that one. And then there's a whole bunch of NPR, PBS, Los Angeles Times, Politico. They're moving towards the left. It looks like MSNBC, CBS, uh, the Christian Science Monitor, The Hill. Uh, I don't even know what this one. Axios, Axios? is that what that is? Oh, Axios okay. shouldn't the New even York be Times. on there. What is Axios? Why should it not be there? That's interesting. Yeah. Wait, that? wait, isn't Axios yeah, that uh, Jones guy? No. Oh, what what no, is his thing that's called? Info his InfoWars. He's at the info very wars. It's in the long right, right corner. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, actually, I respect that. Pretty good that's political okay. analysis, I think. Uh, okay. I want to know what the blue dot is that I can't so read. What? The blue dot on the oh, yellow. In the middle. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, it's USA Today. Okay, I had to zoom in. Um, okay, uh, is right there um, in the middle. That's good. Yeah, I've got to zoom back out. Um, yeah, but anyway, these are these are pretty much uh, some that are slightly right leaning and some that are slightly left leaning that are um, reliable, good news sources for the most part. Right, that's in the green box. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Where is MSNBC? It's up there somewhere. MSNBC is is I see it there. It is 
to the left. It's considered partisan left or in between skews left to partisan left. Um, but oh, it, I see it. But it, uh, regular NBC was up in the top. Oh, category. I see it now. Okay. Yeah. And right above some, Post. Some ana- it has some analysis. So I, yeah, well, that's the yellow box is in the middle, and that that says fair interpretations of the news with, and they all have yeah skews. Um, Business Insider seems to be the only neutral one, and they're saying Forbes is, but I kind of Forbes feels right. It's just yeah, slightly right to the right. Yeah, you see, like they're sort of arranged in a way that. Yeah, I would move that. Forbes over more to the part. right, but I'm I'm skewed left. So. <laughs> My interpretation of that's going to probably when was be. This, uh, when was this updated last? This is the latest one. It's from August. So yeah. it's pretty recent. Forbes, and I think, you know, they, they had uh, more articles coming out that seem more right. Yeah. Mm, yeah. They generally, well, they're, it's because they're a business magazine. Yeah. And business generally skews right. Yeah. A little bit. That makes sense. It's interesting, you know, that I have, um, I tend to listen to the ones that are maybe slightly left-leaning, but very much in the neutral category. So I really, for my main news, I really prefer NPR and BBC, I think, and yeah, same. New York Times. And I, and I do like MSNBC, and I think, I, I consider it comfort news, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the sense that I, like at the end of my day, sometimes I'll go to the gym and I'll like watch Rachel Maddow or something when I'm like on the treadmill or do something like that. Mm-hmm. And and it's sort of like I I understand the perspective and and I I I know that I kind of basically get the perspective and I can hear someone's analysis from that vantage point. Yeah, and I like that. And you know, and I also, but I'm aware of, of that's what, that that's what I'm doing with that news. I think, mm-hmm. and and in general, like to really get like the main like what's really happening in the world kind of thing like I want to listen to a new, a, prime, a more primary news source but um, yeah but that's a way to just sort of okay if I want to hear analysis from a perspective that I know I, I understand and generally agree with then I'll listen to MSNBC yeah and and the one thing I want to point out um, at the bottom of the chart the red tangle uh, which they're saying is nonsense damaging to public discourse and there are not exactly necessarily an equal distribution on the right and the left but um, I didn't even know about patriotics I've never even I've never heard of that. I have seen people forward those things yeah that's the farthest yeah, it's, left it's the I guess inaccurate. it's the left so, the left analog to infowars right oh yeah I've never seen patriotics yeah, I've oh. been at Facebook groups and things where people forward those things, and if I see that source, I would never. Right. I mean, I, know, I I would never do get yeah, I get like would. daily mails from Daily Cost and Alternate, and it's and I have noticed it's I obviously. have noticed that that they do tend to they have very clickbaity headlines, and they also don't tell you the whole story. They definitely. Have yeah, a, they definitely have. A, I see the bias in there. Yeah, I see over in that area the Young Turks, which uh, I have watched some of their videos. And as I'm watching, I'm saying to myself, "Gee, this is kind of like the opposite of um, <laughs> Fox News." But yeah, I haven't watched them as quite as much, but it's good to be aware that they are, they do have a, a very skewed thing. I do see a lot from Palmer Report. I see uh, yeah. Facebook groups where people are forwarding Palmer Report information and. That's one like, and it is, sometimes it will have a headline that's like immediately upsetting. Like there's a lot to be upset about in the news, but with that, with especially with those, you're like, what? What's what's going on? You know, and then I see Palmer Report. Yeah, I like, need oh, to actually okay. print this out and like put it near my computer. So when I'm looking at stuff, I don't yeah. get, I don't start freaking out until I've looked at where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah, this is something that I'm I'm really glad that we're discussing this because this is that I'm developing a lesson plan for with my students in my communications class that um, there is a difference between facts and opinion. You know, that sometimes they they think they don't realize that well, that's because we have news 24-hour news site news networks that conflate fact and opinion all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that they're 
there uh, you've got in the neutral and the AP there are people who are giving you the facts they're giving you the news and the other people on the, on the sides are giving you their interpretation of the news or their opinion and, the and their of the news yeah, and yeah. I think that's that's valuable, but it's important to yeah, know what's analysis. Yeah, I see. And and when back. I started paying more it's, attention, oh sorry, aware. I'm sorry. It, it's just it's important to be aware of what yes. you're listening to. And it's also when yeah. I when I'm starting to see things that are shared on Facebook more, I'm noticing they're like coming out of the op-ed pages of the New York Times or or the Washington Post, um, and they may be you know very significant and the and the opinions may be valid but they're opinions they're not it's not a fact thing you know um mm-hmm. and uh and i think that's one little thing that I, that facebook has done recently that i'm actually starting to appreciate because they now have that little pop-up that little eye information pop-up that comes up when you mouse over a uh, a shared news article, um, and they. Uh, I well, haven't it, noticed that. It, it what will, does it do? If, well, first it tells you, you know, um, about the about who public who published this. Okay, that's the first thing. And if you're getting mm-hmm. something that looks news newsy and it doesn't have that little eye pop up, that is not. That's that's a bullshit thing. It's that's not an, an ad. ad. It's not an, an ad. ad. It it has to do just with if it. I guess if it sees a URL that goes to a news place like the Guardian or or the New York Times or or you know NPR or something like that. But then if you see like uh, an article that somebody's posting, it it and it doesn't have that. Or if it's a chart or a meme or something like you know it's just something inflammatory. Um, that it, it if it doesn't have a little eye, it is not vetted. It, it has a high likelihood of being fake news, and um, and it may even be propaganda that that a bad actor wants to get legs on and to get everybody outraged over nothing. That's good to know. I'm going to watch for that. And it is interesting too that what is being called fake news is the most reliable news. In well, fact, yeah, they. Know. You know the Ministry of Information does <laughs> doesn't want us to, you know, have have um, well that information. thinking critical thinking. We they, they don't want us to have critical mm-hmm. thinking skills and and to be able to evaluate facts on their own and make our own opinions. That that doesn't serve them. But I do think this chart is very useful, and I've I've looked at it when I've gotten a piece of news from a source I'm not familiar with. I will take a look. And I think there's another website, too, that's like real or fake there or something are, like that. I and can then find there's, And then there's also, you know, when you see something that when you're on social media and you see a, a, a post that looks outrageous, um, then, you know, if it's not coming from a news source, uh, if it's coming from somebody's page that you share a lot of stuff or that you see a lot, um, then there's always Snopes and there's some other sites that I don't know the names of that will also um, that are fact, fact checkers. Fact checkers. There's the the one the one that also does the fact checking, um, which is the one that that gives you the ratings of like Pants on Fire. Oh, uh, the Washington Post does the does the Pinocchio. Yeah, the, the, but that yeah, but there's a Pants uh, on Fire. Uh, Politifact is it Politifact? Is that the one? That could be it. Yeah, I think we'll have that. It had the word fact in it. Yeah, but I I think I think Politifact has the meter that (laughs) that that says true to pants on fire. Um. I just I want to do what you you talked about. What you just said. I'm looking at Facebook now, and I'm looking at an article about uh, Ginsburg. Okay. And it's I can see that underneath it says breaking two hours npr.org. But uh, oh, there's a little eye to the right on the lower corner, uh-huh. and that's going to show me more about this link. Okay, I've clicked it, and it tells me who NPR is. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's good. I just wanted to find where that little eye was. Right. And, and, it, and it's not an eyeball eye. It's it's, it's the, the letter, letter eye. eye. Yes. 
for information. Yes. Okay. And, and it's it, if you see an article that doesn't have that, that means it's not coming from a legitimate media source. Oh, that's really good to know. Yeah. I'm looking at you. You were right, uh, Wendy's PolitiFact that does pants on fire. <laughs> okay. And I have a few statements that they say are pants on fire. And a few of them include Michelle Obama says, white folks are what's wrong with America. <laughs> oh my <laughs> that God. That's not true. <laughs> 18 children died while in custody of Border Patrol during the Obama administration. That is pants on fire. Uh, Donald Trump saying, the troops recently received one of the biggest pay raises ever. <laughs> and that is. The first, it was, yeah, and this, and that it was the first pay increase in more than ten years. Yeah, those yeah, were that's not pants on fire. Those are too. very pants on fire. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of pants on fire things here, which are funny, but it's really not funny when people don't realize it and they forward it. Yeah, like it's funny times. until until this you're arguing with somebody about it. Okay, so right. so I'm gonna make a New Year's resolution since this is January to never forward something until I check it. Yes, that's a good. That's, that's a, good a great one. one. I I will I'm gonna also... try every once in a while. I think I've made a mistake. I'm like shit. I'm, after the fact, you go back and say, oh, that was not real. Yeah, so I, I'm getting much better at not doing that. I'm still pretty. I'm still guilty of doing that more. But I also have my other Facebook friends will call me out within minutes, and then I have to take the post down. So. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate you, my uh, my own personal fact checkers. <laughs> you've been listening to the leftscape podcast find us online at leftscape.com on twitter at leftscape and on facebook at leftscape the leftscape the shape of progressive conversation new episodes every wednesday